G'day, 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 listeners. I am the Hobby Hobbit, Bo Hayden, and today, welcome to the Courage and Overlords podcast, the Ethercast. Today, I am joined by, well, correction, today, I am joining, who is our usual host, but today, I'm t- taking over <laughs> in a coup, um, our good man, the Arkansas Admiral Lee Edwards. How are you, buddy? I'm good, thank you. And thank you for taking the helm today, captaining the ship. Hey, mate, you're more, more than welcome. Um, also joining us today is a man who needs really no introduction, is the Lord Magnate himself, Admiral Autumn, Alexander Cron. How are you doing, mate? Hey, continuing my reign of tyranny, apparently. <laughs> yep, yep. You, you, you will always be the Lord yeah. Magnate in our hearts, even though you don't always be the Mallet. <laughs> I, uh... Yeah, no, not at the moment. Not with this rat oh, well. You'll get it there, mate. We, we, we can talk about that. Right, so today's episode, we're going to be talking about something a bit different because, you know, you know, we usually talk about, you know, competitive and list building aspects in regards to KO, but today we're doing something a little bit more different, a little bit, something a bit more fun. We're going to be talking about Carriage and Overlord's Law because there's actually a lot there um, and, and it's something that a lot of people don't really talk about apart from the likes of 2 Plus Tough, but we'll get to that later. Um, so, yeah, so today we're going to be covering, you know, the general faction law, um, the changes in the law since the um, transition from second edition um, and the new book. We'll be talking about certain aspects of it and we'll be going into why we love it and why it's awesome because it's KO. Um, so I suppose we may as well just get cracking onto it, which is general carriage and overlords law. Now, I know that both of you aren't really big law buffs. So do you just want me to take the lead on this one or do you guys want to have a go? Um, you can go ahead if you want. <laughs> okay, sweet. Well, I've just got to, I don't so... know what a zombie is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll yeah. Get there. <clears throat> Impeach Cron. Um, so essentially in layman's terms and in the most basic terms that I can put it, the carriage and overlords are a oligarchical capitalist meritocracy with, with, with air quotes, um, who live on giant sky ports which are powered by magical metal which is in a gaseous form um, they fled um, the mountains during the age of chaos um, if you guys don't know much about the age of chaos I highly recommend you go to 2 plus Tufts t- t- channel he does a great law series we'll talk about that later um, so yeah so pretty much during the age of myth um, when Grugni sort of implanted the Dwarden into Shimon, which is the realm of metal, for those of you who don't know. Um, they were classic, you know, Dwarden stunties. You know, they lived in the mountains, they mined things, they were grumpy. Um, and then the Age of Chaos happened. Um, and for a while, they sort of held out. You know, they're like, yeah, no, nah, we'll b- b- be all right. Um, but, and they were praying that Grugni would come and save them, but he didn't. Stigma didn't come, all their old allies didn't come to save them, so they had to rely on themselves. Um, and after a while, they started to fall um, to the privations of Zinch and Skaven. <clears throat> um, and then after that, um, a whole bunch of them were like, you know what? The ground isn't safe anymore. Underground definitely isn't safe anymore. We're going to go up to the sky. Because by this stage, a whole bunch of Caradrons, oh, sorry, um, Dwarden societies have started building up these sort of like sky vessels which were powered by Ethergold. I mean, yeah, they're all very rudimentary, but they were the forefathers of the ships we see today. Um, and yeah, they um, they pretty much became sky refugees and they went up um, and they 
pretty much created these whole societies. I mean, like, I mean, and the first sort of like skyports, if you want to say that, were pretty much like trading posts in the sky. They're like wee little defensive fortresses. And then after a while and after a, a long time ha- um, carried on, they sort of built up into these massive skyports. Um, and with that, with the whole sky mining thing with the gold and because they are a um, essential meritocracy and such like that and but things that back then they still had clans like i mean they still have clans but clans back then sort of formed the power in society um and then the and then the and then the early carajons started fighting each other you know because they wanted rights and stuff like that and it almost got to the stage where there was going to be a massive civil war um and they, and, and they were like nah stop that we're all going to go to this wee little sky island called madralta and then when they went to madralta they all agreed on a code to follow so that it would avoid sky ports from blowing each other out of the sky and that's yeah. essentially where caradron society was born you know everything from the way you <clears throat> from the way you fight and the way you trade to the way that you brew um ale or bugments <laughs> essentially a yeah. specific example of that yep yep exactly that um but yeah um yeah so the caradron code um is kind of like a constitution slash merchants code slash naval law all it's, melded into one it started off as a as a as the a ship's kind of crew code and they was just expanded into a government uh, structure yeah yeah um, and yeah, and so for, from all this, we had a number of skyports being formed, um, and they formed a council called the Geldred, like we are the Geldred of the Carriage and Overlords community on Facebook, because we are the admins. But in, but in Age of Sigma lore, they've so, so, sort of got this big council, and depending on how many Ether Gold shares you've got, depending on how, how much capital you've got in your skyport, depends on how many delegates you have on this sort of council which is very reminiscent of the real world i'm not going to get into that but <laughs> but yeah but okay bugger I, I, i'm gonna say it think of the carriage and overlords as americans in the sky <laughs> we're basically sky they're, americans they're, yeah yeah they are literally sky americans but but um and they're probably Tur- scottish um turned up to hmm? turned up to 11 and we don't have daniel here <laughs> to argue so yeah yeah, well, he's from Texas. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah. So there are a number of skyports, um, and I'll may as well. Who wants to li- list them off? Uh, well, you got Baragnar. Oh, I mean, it's 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 the sub factions, right? It's Baragnar, yeah. Barak Zilfin, Barak Urbaz, uh, Thring, um, Barak Mornar, and then some other sixth one that no one cares about. <laughs> yep so the sixth one is barrack ring and um i suppose we may as well get zon. into the nitty gritties oh and zon Ugh. yeah exactly yeah. some thick no one, thick one that no one cares the... about yeah but i mean like we may as well get into the lore of those as well if you guys don't mind i mean like i'm like i come like, unlike a lot of the other books i mean the the lore sections and the battle time for those Skyports are, are actually quite small. Like they don't really Ooh. give you much, but they give you enough to get a sort of general feel of the skyport. Um, so I'll take Barak Nah. 
So Barakanar is the largest skyport. It's the most powerful as it has the most capital. It has the largest fleets. It has the largest skyport. It has all the most sort of um, shares in everything it does. I mean, it's, it's the big daddy of the character of world. But only by a slim margin, um, followed by Barak Zulkin, but we'll get into that. Um, Barak Nar was actually the first skyport to actually come into contact with um, the Stormcast Eternals during the beginning of the Age of S S Sigma, and they were the first to sort of form an alliance with, uh, with the forces of Order, Order and Sigma's new pantheon. Um, and yeah, um, they've reaped all the rewards from that, um, but obviously the Galadriders had to come together all the time and sort of put in amendments and footnotes into the Caradron Code to allow for them to actually trade and work with the Stormcast and the cities of Sigmar and whatnot. Yep. So, yeah, and their colours are purple and ivory and black, which is cool. I love their colour scheme. Too bad mine aren't painted like And they have the, the most delegates on, on the on the Admiral Council as well, don't they? Yes, exactly that. So because they have the largest amount of capital means that they have the largest amount of delegates. I don't exactly remember, but I'm pretty sure that the number of all the Skyport representative is like 12 they have they have they are, are by yeah so like all the delegates in the galdred i think amount to 12 um Level. but obviously barrack now has peaked uh it's 18 18 18 actually, okay if we, if we want to talk about delegates um sometime later i've got i've got the old book and there's some there's some interesting thing that's that's happened in between yeah because they yeah they lost a delegate didn't they or a couple um, yep. So when the Necroquake happened and everyone lost a whole bunch, uh, it came through, ripped apart all the Aether Gold, shoved it in all different directions. A lot of Skyports, a lot of companies actually lost their um, uh, their holdings and their mines. So a lot of the Skyports have actually changed in the amount of capital they used to have and have now. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. So Barak Nar had seven, now they got six. Zilfin had four and have gone up to five, so the the gaps definitely yep. come a lot closer there. Um, yep, but we'll get into that because that's coming up in the part after we talk about the general war. <laughs> right. That's right. Yep. Um, who wants to take Barak Zilfin for law? Uh, I'll talk about Zilfin. So yeah, basically, boy. Zilfin is known as the the windswept city. Um, yep. I always used to joke with the old book that they were the windswept city uh, and they were died to a stiff breeze. Um, <laughs> as, as a whole. Um, we're a little bit more resilient now. Um, but basically, these guys are the best pilots um, and they're the fastest ships. And that's where there's a couple of, there's a few different guilds uh, in Caradron society. So there's like the Navigators Guild, the chemist guild uh the grun corpse and also like the the endrin uh, endrin guild and so the navigators guild is located in barracks Zilfin, um which is yep. part of the reason why they end up having sort of the best pilots and the best navigators and things uh what else can i say about Zilfin? really yeah, i mean generally that they're all about the ships um there's also the the that new company uh, that's sort of rivaling the Grand Corps. It's basically a company that makes uh, extra components for ships, and that that's in Barrack Zilfin as well. That's the one that's um, a Zombacorp. That's it. Yeah, Zombacorp. That's in Barrack Zilfin as well. So they have 
yeah, the best ships, um, the best navigators, and they fly around all over the place really fast. And they're starting to get a bit richer now because pretty much they can normally get to if, if there's a new seam of April gold discovered somewhere or someone thinks there's going to be be one somewhere, um, they can get to it the quickest. Yeah. It's particularly handy after the network break because they all got, a lot of them got blown away. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Um, we may as well leave uh, the next one, which I think we all know what that is, um, to Alex. Uh, Barak Urbaz? Yeah, man. Yeah, so they're the... They're more the market... Um, uh, um, Barak, they're all about um, trading, trading with uh, other dwarves, with the ground... Um, with the ground cities, I think they have the most amount of uh, like posts set up in the ground cities. Um, uh, which gives them ac access to all the different uh, trading routes. Uh, and they've got chemists. Uh, the chemist guild is with them. Um, so they have basically perfected the um, perfected uh, mining in uh, ether, ether clouds. Mm. Um, yep. So they have um, realm gates that only they know about? Um, that's Mornar. Yep. The, the shadow oh, guys. Yeah, yep. we will get to them. Um, but I'm pretty um, sure Barrack Mornar are actually next, aren't they? On the uh, list of are, the are, we in, are we going in order of the sub factions in the battle dome? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah they are next then. Sweet. Cool. I'll talk about them. So, Mornar are the black sheep of Karajan society in the respect that they just don't give a fuck. They are literally the they are literally the black bearded pirates of the sky. Um, they are well known for being able to bend um, the sort of code to to their will. Um, and, and they'll take every opportunity to find loopholes and caveats to the code in order to do their weird little criminal activity, I suppose. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, um, so they're known as pretty much like the City of Shadow. They've got a dark blue um, and ivory color scheme, which is actually quite cool. Um, and, yes, yeah, so, yeah, so Barbaric Mornar were the ones who almost started this giant civil war. Um, back in the day because they were reaving, they were pirating around the place and they were taking out other carriage on ships to take their ether gold. Um, and, but obviously since then, since the conference of Madralta, they have sort of stopped doing that. But as I said before, they're very piratical in the way they do things. Um, and we'll get into what's happened with them in the Necro Quake because it's actually quite funny to me. Um, but yeah, um, and, and they have access to realm gates that no one knows about. So they can actually slip in and out of different realms and do their b b b business as they see fit. Yeah. They also had, I'm not sure if it's still represented in the lore, but it was in the first Battle Tome. There was a mention of they had like some special camouflage technology. So they, so they could sort of, I don't know how they did it. They like changed the appearance of the ships or the colors of the ships. Sort of at their will. I don't know if they like manipulated AFA or something. Um, so they could sort of uh, basically 
camouflage just keeps them sort of come in and, and attack by surprise. They could pretend to be bag Zilfen or bag uh, Nard vessels. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just like c come under the, a, a flag of friendship and uh, get let into the trading port, then take whatever they wanted and leave. Yeah. Yeah, so do you like the mean nasties, but also funny? All, all technically mm -hmm. legal. Yep, exactly that. Yeah. It's all technically legal within the Caradron Code. They have not breached the Caradron Code, but it's because they read it over and over and over and over again, and they chuck in these amendments all the time just so they can get loopholes to do, do, do whatever yeah. they want to do. Uh, um, when, whenever the Admiral Council tries to sort of make other amendments, to, you know, to block these loopholes, they're, they're always obviously against it. Yeah. They're trying to vote against... Obviously, they probably sort of get outnumbered anyway, but yep. try and stop it. Um, sweet. And I'm pretty sure the next one is Barracks on. Cool. Uh, Who wants to talk well, about Barracks on? If we're taking turns, I talk about Zon? Yeah, mate, talk uh, about Zon. So, uh, Barracks on, the City of the Sun, and these these guys are really into the military, basically. Um so they uh, basically believe that the best way to negotiate is to be aggressive um, and the best way to fight is to be aggressive. Um, uh, so they, they, yeah, the military is a big part of society on, on Barracks On. Um, everyone that lives there is required to take part in a daily shooting practice. Um, they, um, uh, one thing that, their like Carison Caradron society has is they have these things called muster presses, which is basically how Arconaut crew is um selected. Like Arconaut crew aren't just like you don't just go to a job interview and go and like you know take a written exam. You basically they have these muster presses where you you go through like basically like training and sparring and shooting and basically you have to prove your worth to um uh basically be worthy enough to be on a on a frigate or ironclad crew or something and so barrack zon are basically known for having like the harshest and um most rigorous muster presses to get through mm. um well, uh and they don't they don't rely on their ships so much so wherever uh, particularly for, like where other skyports were relying on the firepower of their ships and things, or the speed of their ships. Like if it was often Barakzon will rely more on their infantry and you know like their yeah. skybriggers and their arcnauts to and their uh, thunderers to just go and kill people rather than the ships do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, and yeah, and so the yeah, the, and so a lot of sort of military veterans in Caradron society basically come from barracks on um and they have like um this medal that they award the best veterans so if you're a really good veteran in barracks on then you get awarded the iron star um which is i don't know like getting a purple heart or something i don't know i don't know med medals medal of it's honor, like the victoria cross or the medal of honor yeah sort of thing it's like a big deal oh. for that Unfortunately, I really like Barrickson's um, uh, background. It's that they're the Skyport that'll actually go out and start wars, start fights, yeah. and 
Yeah. They're not just traitors. They're they're yeah. the actual. Um, like, they they will fight for the mortal realms kind of thing. Um, and a little correction to something we said earlier: Barrack Zon was actually the first Skyport. Oh yeah. Ah. And it's also the highest situated in the sky. Oh, cool. yeah. This is this is that that's some bad, um nah propaganda right there. Um yeah. Yeah. to insert themselves into history. Yeah. Yep. Sweet. So we've covered off all those and now we've got to cover off the last one, which has the lowest yeah. amount of um capital in the yep. Galdred, and that's Barrack Thring. Take it away, Alex. Barrack Thring. Uh they're the the traditionalists. Um, basically, they they go so far as to um, even uh, they hold the old dwarven superstitions. They kind of worship the old gods. They they're the most likely to like bring in dwarf allies. Um, they 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 they're very traditionalist. So they they'll they abide one hundred percent by the code as it was originally written and intended. Uh, there are no loopholes, there are no amendments, there is just the code. They're very, yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, Barak Mornar is your whack player, Barak Thring's your floppy player. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yes, yeah, so, 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 sorry, uh, Yeah. That does mean that they have the least amount of capital. And the least amount of delegates. Yep. And most of the appeals are made by them to amendments to the code. Yep. They are the grumpy old man on the seat. Um, but yeah, um, another interesting fact is that they actually have a fire slayer lodge on um, on Barrack Thring, which is quite interesting. You don't really oh, wow. see that much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, sir. They've got a yes, yeah, so they've got a lodge up there. Um, as you said before, they take in a lot of, um, you know, refugees and whatnot and members of other Dwarven societies. Um, and yeah, um, and another thing we've got to mention before is that, um, is that due to the fact that the Karajan are essentially atheists, um, so, well, sorry, like they're, they're not atheists, but I mean, like, so essentially after the age of chaos, um, they saw that the gods had abandoned them, the allies had abandoned them. They thought, right, we need to be self-determinant. Um, and there's a good quote there, uh, which used to be um, an old footnote or whatever it was um, in the rules, was um, trust in ethematics, not superstition. Um, yep. So they, they don't trouble themselves with, you know, with, with at, at, at the works of the gods. They don't worship them. But Barak Thring does, um, and obviously being Dwarden, um, they still covet their ancestors, um, and they still do kind of reference the gods quite a bit um, in their lore. Some of that, especially in the novels, which we'll get into, but it's not, you know, to the point of on your knees worshipping. You know, it's more sort of controlled and um, so, sort of flippant in a way. They'll, they'll, they'll um, pay tribute to the old rites, like... Uh, throw salt into the wind to have a lucky journey or something like that. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, so those are all the mm. major skyport. There are mentions of others, um, such as um, the lost skyport, Barracks Off, 
which was lost um, many generations ago. And there's a really cool novella, which I really enjoyed, um, which we'll get into later, which actually covered a bit on that. But yeah, so Barracks Off just went missing. Um, and there's still people around today in the Carajon Skyport who are actually from Barracks Off, um, but they've sort of been assimilated into um, into the Skyport. Um, so yeah, so that's sort of the Skyport. So um, I suppose we should, we should talk about what happened, what's changed um, since the release of Seth Deckard Edition and the new Battle Tome since the Shaishnit Ekro Quake, or as they call it, the Garak Tordum. Um, before we move yeah. on, just quickly, just been keeping an eye on the chat. Uh, Adam Prince mm-hmm. um, pointed out that Barak Zilfin also has uh, the Engineers Guild there as well, not just an Av League. Um, yep. So they're the best Endron Masters and stuff. Um, and he's also said that Barak Mornar is basically what a- AOS players are like, trying to find uh, the best <laughs> rules and loopholes and things like <laughs> of AOS players, which is quite, that's quite yeah, true. Very, very true. Very true. Um, yeah. Good, good pointing out that, um, good Adam. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, so with the Gurdak Tordum, so here's essentially what happened. So, I mean, right now we're in the midst of the Soul Wars, um, narratively as the um as the story pushes forward um and when it hit um it hit the carriage on in a really big way um so we're in we when it hit essentially all the ether gold streams or at least most of the gold streams were pushed away right so they've gone all, all over the realms all over the different places um ships were blown out of the sky um all the magic in the sky created these like rogue endless spells that were flying about and stuff like that and causing a mischief there's actually one excerpt in the battle time that says that an ironclad was torn in half by a wandering ether void pendulum not just an ironclad uh barrack capital ship like one of the big battleships really oh wow like yeah it was bad yeah yeah, it was real bad for for, for, for the skyports. Um, like um, yeah, so it's like you had whole sky fleets go missing. You had whole sky fleets fall from the sky. You had massive night haunt invasions happen because obviously they can fly, so they speak and just went up and just started causing mischief. Um, but yes, yeah, so and and on top of that, so it actually says in the book that Barak Nar lost a fifth of its sky fleet. Which is pretty yep. big when you consider the amount of investment that they actually put into that fleet. Um, but yeah, um, but with that, there's also been a positive note um, because carriage and overlords are very um, opportunistic in the way they do things. Uh, with the changes of all these um, ether gold scenes, um, a lot of um, so a lot of the old sort sort of mining rights and a lot, and a lot of the old trade. So sort of lanes have been changed. And so now they've all rushed off to go find these ethical seams and claim them for, for themselves. And that's why you've seen the change um, in the sort of Galdrad where, where Zilfin has gone up because they were the best to capitalize on the changes um, and they were the quickest. Um, and yeah, so they found these ethical seams faster than, than pretty much anyone else. So they've gained 
an extra seat and more capital. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, so. Yeah. Um. Looking at the the Geldrad and the delegates. Hang on. Let me just bring it back up again. I have Bob here. Um. Wasn't just the the two top uh barracks that uh, switched around. A lot of those lower ones. Um. I believe. Mona and uh, Zon also switch places. Yeah. Hmm. But there's reasons for that, um, and I may as well cover off that. I'm not too sure if you guys remember what happened. So in the book, it says that Barak Mona disappeared. Hmm. And then, bloop, out of Shimon. And everyone was like, what? Where the fuck did they go? Um, yeah. So yeah. It turns out that they've popped up in a new realm, and it's shadowy, and no one can find it apart from them. So I think we can all guess as to where they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they pretty much took this sky port and just put it somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, but they moved their entire sky port to the realm of shadow. Pretty much. At yeah. least that, that's what we can speculate because that's it's, it's all shadowy and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, so they've pretty much gone to Ulgu and they're doing their things there. Um, so, um, yeah. Some of the other stuff that's happened since is like whenever you're sort of in a position where you you're you're getting your ass kicked, basically, you have to sort of reinvent yourself a bit, um, and you have to sort of look at your technology and sort of look at what's not working, what is working, and so there's been some like new inventions and stuff. So. Um, there was like an engineer uh, from Barak Nar that in basically invented a device um, uh, that like could repel magic, um, and and there's also been some other things like obviously everyone knows about like the spell in the bottle. So obviously like chemists have come up with this way so they can like trap uh, end the spells into bottles and things, and like. There's also been some, like, the Grun Corps have also adapted as well. And there's this whole new sort of, not even like a, more than, bigger than like a unit, but like, like a whole new section of funders, really, um, that are called the Black Marines. And they basically specialize in fighting sort of non-corporeal uh, entities, like basically ghosts and spells and stuff. So yeah. have, it's black armor and it has it's it's a bit sort of strange for powers of society because they sort of have like warding sort of spells almost on their armor and stuff like <clears throat> a lot of the Caradon society sort of looks down upon sort of saying mm. they should be, but they kind of let it go because it does work <laughs> like they yeah. Yeah, um, <clears throat> oh. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Some, <clears throat> uh, something that then, <clears throat> what? <laughs> I think I'm coming down with a cold. Um, um, something that was expanded on the new book that I thought was really cool, uh, 
was this gigantic, like, uh, blockade and siege and battle of Barakzon. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so it suddenly put uh, Brock Gunkson on the map. Um, basically, massive Zench host surrounds Barakzon, blockades all entrances to it, and like, they starts this huge siege. Um, and uh, Brock Gunkson uh, basically gathers every other skyport as into one gigantic force and liberates Zon. Chuck Zench, like, smashes all the Zench forces. And I think that's actually what the, that big double page spread where you see um, uh, Brock at the front leading all these balloon boys and boats. Um, I yep. think that's what that spread's actually supposed to be representing because you can see all the different skyports in there and it's a really cool, really yeah. cool picture. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <clears throat> sort of half mentioned in the old book in a couple of places, but I think they gave it a bit more detail in this one. Uh, yeah. Which is um, great. I mean, we've got less lore pages than in the old book, but that's okay. Um, but um, I've actually got the Ether War book, book in front of me here, and, it, and this actually goes into a lot of detail um, into the fighting around the Spiral Crux. Now, for those of you who don't know, um, the Spiral Crux is sort of in the center of Shimon, um, and that's where Zinch sort of has his foothold in the realm of um, metal because he really likes it. I don't know why. I suppose it's because change and stuff like that because he's Zinch and he's an asshole. Um, but yeah, um, and, and it goes into a lot of detail into like you know how you know Zinch jumped into um, jumped into Shimon and the Age of Chaos, um, the, 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 into the Age of Sigma with all the stuff with the Stormcast arriving and stuff like that, and the Alliance of the Heavens when the Geldred um, swiftly moved to negotiate mm. with um, Sigma and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, it's actually really 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 cool to see because um, me personally, I really love to see. Law changes, a lot of things being updated, and stuff like that. I love that stuff. story progression. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I love it. Um, it was something that I really hated. Sorry, I didn't hate it, but um, I didn't like about old Eighth Edition fantasy and going backwards. That it was just so stagnant. It was like sweet, cool. The Empire is always in a constant state of peril. It's like okay. And the dwarves were always fighting the orcs or whatnot. And the tomb kings were just sitting down there and Nehekara being grumpy. You know? But yeah, but with this, you're seeing a lot of change. Um, shall we start talking about the novels? Because there's been yeah. a few. Yeah. Sweet. Who wants to start off on that? Uh, well, I can talk about uh, the first one because I haven't read the second one. So. You'll have to all the talk okay. about that. <laughs> but the, I, yeah, also just read the first one. Yeah. Um, the, the first novel <clears throat> is uh, called Overlords of the Iron Dragon and uh, basically follows like a bit of a, a, a ragtag sort of bunch of... Uh, of Because it's, it's, it's kind of like a small fleet um, and it's... It's not even led. It has, doesn't even have any what you know what you'd call heroes um, or characters if you if you're building your army. Um, so it's literally led by the captain of um, uh, an ironclad, um, and failing captain at that. Yeah, he's and mm. I can't remember the, his name off the top of my head now. Um, 
Yeah, no, I can't remember. I thought I had it there for a second, but no. Um, so basically, he he's also rumored to have a bit of a curse on him as well because he's he's had some bad luck in the past, really. Um, so it's just basically one ironclad and two. Things. Um, and they they start off and they go they go they're going out and they're doing some trading with basically like some nomad tribes, you know, like some slave to darkness peeps. Um, just. Yeah, they, and they sort of turn up to uh, go and do some trading with them, and they get really angry with them uh, because basically, obviously, other people have been there first, and so this is more bad luck for, for this captain. So all that's left is sort of like like these like hides and stuff where they you know they've hunted um, animals and stuff, and they've got the hides, but it's all like the flea bitten ones and the the ones that are no good, and basically it's all all the leftover stuff that no one else wants um but there's some they, they notice there's something a bit fishy going on with them and what set, sets up the whole story is they basically realize that actually the reason they sort of beckoned that beckoned the the ko to the top of this mountain with a mm. like, fire is because oh. they also had mm. some cowardly overlord stuff to trade they had like some technology and stuff and they didn't know what it was like because they these are like basically barbarians um uh, but they obviously recognised it was Cowdron Overlord's technology because they've traded with them in the past, and so and the Ko guys are a bit sort of like they don't know what to uh, do because you know they have to consult the code and sort of on the one hand it's it's they suspect it could be stolen, on the other hand it could be uh, you know from a destroyed ship or something. Um, but if you know they suspect that potentially like these barbarians would be not no good and killing cowdron overlords um and really they yeah. shouldn't be toying with them if that's the case um dealing with these like goods um so um and the barbarians basically tell them that they they found it all and so they embark on this quest to try and find the ship that it come from um and they take uh like the prince from the tribe with them um because as like collateral so that if it is a trap yeah. or if it is or they have been up to no good then they got him with them and they can you know deal some but they can take him back to the skyport and deal some deal some punishment basically which is quite cool. um and that's quite interesting because they sort of it shows how much disdain they have for them um when it's quite interesting because they also and they they basically how they treat this guy on the ship and they sort of come to respect him a little bit towards the end um i don't know I, mean, I don't know really whether to spoil the whole story or not or whether uh well it's been out for ages hasn't it so uh or what do you what do you think do we actually spoil like the the, the um the twists yeah uh, definitely not with the new <clears throat> one but i don't know this one yeah well i i think maybe we shouldn't but basically they they, they discover like they go and look for this ship that's been down and basically there's uh they realize it's they um, fight a whole bunch of different factions yeah they, um they basically come across the ship um, there's some stuff going on and they find there's mm. also they, they find a survivor on the ship mm. um and then he basically tells them look what happened was we found this really 
potent a for gold it's like off the charts like this guy's a chemist he's like like you would never seen a for gold like this it's the most powerful stuff ever and so he basically uh tries to convince the crew that they should go and and make claim to this a for gold scene before someone else finds it because it's so so basically it's just it will make them all oh. rich rest of their lives um but they're a little bit like oh they don't know whether they should or not they they've got to deal with all the fact that the fact that they've got this um no like this barbarian prince on board and stuff and they don't and also like they're not equipped for for mining really they're just like a small fleet like because it's basically revealed in in that book that they have special ships for um but you know like oil tankers basically flopping flying tanker ships and things and they haven't got any of them and and if this stuff is as powerful as he says it is then it's going to be dangerous to transport it because when it's raw and it's unprocessed it's potentially very explosive um so it's like carrying around a bomb essentially very explosive Um, yeah yeah um so yeah so basically that creates some tension on board of the ship um and that, that, that sets off the whole story, really. Um, and I don't think I can say much more about spoiling it. Um, um, so things that I got out of, uh, like, little lore things I got out of this book was our ships are supposed to be a lot bigger than they actually are. Mm. Yeah. Ironclads are, so, are huge. Um, Massive. Multiple stories are, like, multiple decks um, where falling from the top of one to the bottom of one could severely hurt you uh, <clears throat> if you're a dwarf but still they have decks like full full on top decks uh, they have little like almost gyrocopter hel- um, like a little transport ship that yeah. can fly from one uh, that, that they used to fly from the ironclad to the frigate <clears throat> and back, and yeah. every ship's got this. So frigates have a lot, should be a lot bigger. They'll have a lot more transport space. Yeah, boats are big. Yeah, <laughs> we need two scale boats. <clears throat> yeah, so, um, mm-hmm. it also delves quite a lot into the life of the crew, mm-hmm. like how it operates over there, and the roles of the different members of the crew. So, so like, pretty much every ironclad or every ship. <laughs> has a contingent of sky wardens and engine and then they sort of like and it's quite cool how they describe them you know like clunking up the decks and coming up to the top and then hooking onto the ship and then zooming off um to surround the ship and stuff like that as 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 a form of an escort which is quite cool um yeah um yeah it's just really in depth um into just how they do things on the ship which i think is great definitely Um, worth looking at if you're if you're a KO player. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and then the second... Eh? I was just going to say, another cool thing in that book is basically a, a type of... like a, an archetypal sort of person in Caradon society that isn't really mentioned anywhere else. It might be in one of the new the new novel. Uh, is that most fleets will have a logisticator. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Which is basically... He's like an accountant um and a trade and like a trade negotiator sort of person um 
and he he's the and almost like a lawyer as well like he's like a almost like a rules lawyer like he's very (laughs) to like interpret the code and work out like um what they can get away with and what they can't and how much stuff is worth when they're trading and basically to make sure that the fleet sort of makes a profit when it returns because if they return and they don't make a profit like they're screwed basically because constantly yeah. the crew of the ship is basically worrying about like if they return and they haven't made and they don't they're going to turn up with an empty hull or, or something that they're just because basically like the whole trip is financed by like financial backers back at the skyport and they turn up empty handed they're going to be pissed off of them yeah <laughs> Yeah, um, which all that flows on to the second book, Prophet's Ruin, which was released with the Battle Time. Um, and it's really good. Um, I haven't finished it yet. I'm sort of probably halfway through the book, so I can't really tell you about the ending, which is good for spoilers. Um, <laughs> but essentially, it's the story of how the Admirals returned um, almost immediately after coming back from this mission. Um, and he's sort of spoilers, trying he survives to... the first book. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. He survives the first book. A whole bunch of people don't. Yeah, there are a few spoilers in this, so if you don't want to know, leave <laughs> um, or just turn it off. Um, so and it, come the back. same characters. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, so cool. yeah, um, so these guys are all from Barrack Zilfin, um, and they return, and it's sort of like you, you, you know, like this dude's sort of been like put put before um, the Admiral's Council and everything like that, and they're all pissed off at him so that because they were the ones that backed him and all that stuff like that, and it was a big exchange. Um, and then he's sent with his crew on the Iron Dra- Dragon, that's the name of the ship, and a small sort of sky fleet to go with him. Um, and they're off to go find something called the Prophet's Ruin, which is essentially this giant sort of angle of weeds in the sky. It's been a myth for years and years and years, like you know what I mean? Because it's like I can old soldier's tale. Uh, so, so, sorry, an old sailor's tale. Um, and these guys have to go find it because there's because the story goes that this giant entanglement of weeds that goes as far as I can see, it pulls in sky vessels from you know if they venture too close and it pulls them in and stuff like that. And there's and potentially there's you know a lot of ether gold. There's a lot of stuff there that they can salvage. Um, and then bring back a good prop, prop off it. Um, and they're sent on this mission by w- one of the members of the um, council, I believe. Um, and yeah, all actually, no, I think it's actually a merchant. Um, but yeah, um, and it all turns out there's a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of trickery going on and stuff like that. Um, but we're, 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 once I finish the book, it'll get to it. But it does cover in brief, you know, the effects of the Garactorum and stuff like that and the effects on society and all that stuff like that. And it goes a bit more in depth as to how the actual hierarchy works as well. Um, I blame Mona. Yep, I, I, blame I immediately Mona. blame Mona. <clears throat> yeah. Um, this prophet's yeah, so sounds like a Mona thing. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, so these guys have essentially been sent on a suicide mission because it doesn't really... Um, because cause either way, if they all die, then it's fine. But if they survive, then they're going to come back with a profit. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, because because actually, one of the ships in the Prophet's Ruin, when when a wandering sky it's got close to it, they found a survivor, um, and he saw sort of gave the um, he sort of gave the Skyporter's chart um, to find it um, and to find him. 
and so yeah, so that, that's where it all kicks off. Um, but yeah, um, so far it's a great book. Um, C.L. Werner is a really great writer. He wrote the first book, um, and yeah, it's just fantastic. Um, I'm really looking forward to finishing it. Um, and I suppose now we can go into a few of the novellas, which go even deeper. Um, and I'll pull one of them up now on my phone because I've got the ebooks. And um, what's it called? Oh, sweet, sweet. So, so there were two novellas written by Graham Lyon. Um, the first one is um, Beneath the Rust, and the second one is uh, the Code of the uh, is Code of the Skies. Um, and the first one sort of sets up the story for the second one. I haven't actually read the first one. I only read the second one. Um, and, and that's also really great. So these guys are from Barrack Nah. Um, and it's about this. So like it starts off and they're fighting in this ornate stronghold. Um, and they kill everyone and they're going through all their spoils and stuff like that. Right. Um, and this one Arkanor, she ends up, um, Killing this great, it's a special <clears throat> ship. Yeah, and she's Um, and the admiral sees, and she goes, "Hmm." Oh, have we lost him? Uh, it sounds like it. Um, James Hayden. Yep. Oh, oh. Yes, I'm here. Oh, we're back. You're back. Yeah, I'm back. Did you just miss everything ah, I said? Good. Uh, yes. Um, so well, you talk about the female Arkanaut, um, and then you got cut off mid-sentence. Okay. How she got okay, a new ship? She got a, a special ship. No, no, yeah, um, so she does, yeah, so there's an admiral and her crew w with an ironclad from Barbaric Nah. Uh, they're, they're fighting on this Cornate stronghold, and she finds this wee orb thing, which is carriage on in nature, but it's very ancient technology. Um, and so then she finds it, um, the admiral takes it from her in, in exchange for more shares, and then they take it back to the admiral's council because this admiral really does think that it's quite special. Um, and it turns out that it's actually a map of all the different skyports and their locations. Um, and, but like, so, so like every different sort of skyport has a specific rune from this age. Um, and the Barragzoff one is missing. And so it's sort of like about their journey to try and find Barragzoff, which is potentially a huge either thing for investment or even just to give them closure, because one of the members of the admiral of, of the admiral's council in Barak Nar is actually a refugee from Barakzov, and so he personally invests in this mission to try and find it. Um, right. And it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, because it goes into all that stuff like that. I'm not going to spoil it for everyone. I hope you guys read it, but it turns out to be a really cool ending. Mm. Oh yeah, um, and also like um, and the sh um, and the story goes into like how the Caradon fight in a large fleet setting. Okay. So, like, there's a part in the book where they go down and they help out a storm... Um, they uh, they help out a storm keep, uh, which is under siege by the undead, because, obviously, this is during the, um, the Sosol Wars. 
Um, and it goes into like the tactics they use and stuff like that and how they all coordinate themselves and the firing and the dropping off of troops. It's really cool. Brilliant. Yeah. Because yeah, I think most yeah. of the other stories about uh, okay, are, are quite often following like a very a smaller fleet. So more character driven, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, to see something about a, a larger fleet um, gives a bit more insight to how they fight. Yeah, because, um... Sorry, carry on. I was just saying, yeah, that's that's quite it, like if you want to know more about how they fight, that's probably a good one to pick. Because most of the others yeah, are. Um, what one thing I actually forgot to mention was that the Admiral's Council actually denied this Admiral's request to okay. go on this, yeah, to go on this foolhardy mission. Um, and because one of the members of the Admiral's Council is actually the father of this female Arcanaut we were talking about before, um, um, and in the previous, yeah, um, and, and in the previous book, his wife had died on one of the missions launched by the Admiral. So he's got a bit of a thing there where he doesn't want his daughter to follow up by her. But in, anyway, um, so this guy from Beric's off, he privately funds the mission and he, and he secretly sort of gets this this mission going. Um, and he deploys a small fleet, but then the father of the Arcanaut finds us out. And so he musters a huge Beric's fleet um, to go after these guys and to bring, bring them back and to charge them. Um, for treason, essentially, um, but yeah, um, and he sort of like f- follows him on. But but yeah, but obviously, I'll let you guys read it to get to the ending um, yeah. and to the climax and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's re- re- really interesting. All right, yeah, sounds like a good one. It is re- really good. It's only in the novella; it's quite short, but there's a lot of stuff packed in there. Cool. Um, um, so there's another novella as well, isn't there? Yep, so there's the one I said before, which is something about Rust. I can't get to it, or else it breaks up my internet. Um, I'm not too sure Beneath about any other novella. Yes, that, that's it. That's the precursor to the to the novella I was just talking about. Okay. Also, they're, like, yeah. connected. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. um, but yeah, so following on from that, Caradron, I've had quite a few mentions in a lot of more recent books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously because they're, they're such a unique faction and just the way they do things, and obviously because Games Workshop wants to sell more KO. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, so, so like, for example, um, in the Callus and Toll books, there's, um, they like jump on a ship for a bit uh, with an admiral and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of mentions of how they're quite, how they're quite strewed and how they're quite grumpy, but they're also very professional and stuff like that. KO basically a uh, fast travel in Age of Sigma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So like when whenever a bunch of adventurers want to get anywhere, they just find the local um, Caradron sort sort of outpost and they buy a ship. Or, if it's not or, a railway, they'll like, buy. <laughs> then find some KO. Yeah, they are the taxi ser- ser- service of the realms, really. Um, there's also a couple of uh, short stories from White Dwarf. Um, so there's one from quite a long time ago, actually. It's last year sometime. Um, that's set in Gairam. Um, mm. So it, it's familiar with like the, the living city. 
um, there, which is like sort of uh, yeah, split across it's uh, in Gairan and in the uh, actually as well, isn't it? Actually, yeah, I think it's the one that's has a realm gate at its center, um, and it's in like sort of two parts. But they're in the the Gairan side, and there's a short story where basically it's just one ironclad, I think, uh, with a small crew, and they're actually flying around in the catacombs under the city, which is pretty cool. cool. Gives you an idea of how big because they're that big, and they're. Yeah, uh, they're flying around under there, um, and they're they're basically their navigator or their chemist, I can't remember which one it is, has basically sort of detected something of immense power, and so they go off looking for that, and they eventually sort of find it. But when the, when they get there, they they can't get the ship in where it needs to go because uh, so they have to all sort of disembark off the ship and go and they go and find this thing, and then. Uh, sort of the story, sort of because it's only a short story, so I will will spoil it. Um, uh, the story sort of end, ends with basically they're not the only people hunting for whatever this thing is, this immense, magical, powerful, object. Um. and um, they all get killed <laughs> basically oh. by these big tentacly things, um, which I'm not entirely sure what they are. Um, well, the old gods have arisen, and Cthulhu will take a sword, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's that one, and then there's also a more recent one, which is, let me just double-check that out here. It's from, oh, why doesn't it say what month it is? Issue 450. That doesn't help. I'm going to say February. February's issue, maybe oh, January. Is... Um which obviously you probably still get hold of because um, getting hold of the other one it will probably be quite difficult. But there's a, just a little short story, and it's all it's a it's a bit similar to um, the the story I outlined earlier with um, Overlords of the Iron Dragon, where they come across um, basically a downed Caradon Overlord ship, and they're sort of trying to work out what could have done it because it's been torn in half basically and it turns out that that's a trap as so often yep. things are um it's a trap. little short story about them fighting some some chaos demons basically um and they do a cool little maneuver at the end where they use the sky hook to drag themselves both closer to the this big demon and then fire the torpedoes once they're closer, once it once the sky hooks drive them closer to kill it, it's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, so the, but the ones from White Dwarf they're literally like two pages long or three pages long, so there's not much in necessarily in them. But they, if you, you know, if you don't, if you're not sure whether you want to, you know, get into a novel or something, you want to just have a, a quick get a quick idea, then you could maybe start with one with those, and then if you enjoy them move on to a novella or a novel give you a bit of an idea yeah. yeah i think it's really good to like get the context behind the army that you're basically playing um mm -hmm. it it you, you should you should check out at least one of these these extra store additional stories from from the ko ko range yeah because it really is worth it 
It, re- it really is. And, um, and that fits perfectly into our next subject. What we love about KO Law and why we love it. So, um, Lee, I'll get you to start on that one. Uh, well, I, you know, I like the most. <laughs> I like <laughs> I like all the stuff to do with the code. Um, <clears throat> like, as, as like Adam pointed out earlier, like there are certain types of of players of Warhammer, and I am one of these ones that will go through all the rules and um, yeah, find that work out loopholes and that. So I like the fact that I am playing a faction that does that essentially does that. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of a nice excuse as well because then if like you can just say yes now, yeah. um, <laughs> when you are <laughs> using loop, um. But yeah, so I love all the stuff to do the the like the code, um, and I like the fact they have guns. This <laughs> is really silly, but I like I like the fact that they are like this one faction that's flying around. That they got technology and stuff, um, and that they're flying around and they're using technology and they're not like praying all the time or, or you know doing rituals and things. They're, they're just relying on themselves. And their own technology and going out and using that to to either win battles or, or whatever they need to do that's my favorite stuff about it really yeah 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 alex you're up next i just like the well my favorite part well the reason i got into care was the boats so obviously i love the boats mm. um you, you get you especially they're very like still very old-fashioned kind of they got broadsides and they have decks and there's a lot of ship terms being thrown around in the, in the books like hard port fire broadside batteries <laughs> and i love that kind of stuff um yeah i like that they're more scientific and less magical which is why we now use an endless spell in every game but <laughs> um <laughs> I, I like that they're like out of all the, this high you've got this high fantasy this endless spells this um like the uh, uh, etheric um like strains and stuff it's ko are, gra- are grounded in realistic science as long as you accept the fact that you can get lighter than air gold which does everything and isn't magic yeah it's science science um yeah, but they've got kind of explanations for everything. There's a reason the cities float. There's the reason they there's a way their guns work. It's it's very it's very like it's almost science fantasy in the like Star Warsy science fantasy yeah. kind of way. Mm. Science. Yeah, magic. yeah, that's a re- really good point. Um, so for me, um, the reason I love their law so much is because it is, as you're saying, so much different to everything else. You know, where every other faction pretty much they all for follow a god yeah. and stuff like that. All they, or they're all they based think on following a god. Campus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That. You, you know, but Ko have gone the completely other way and they've gone completely in the way of self determination. Uh, where it's just fantastic. Um, and yeah, I'm, I just love the aesthetic. Um, of, of their law and everything like that because it goes into so much detail um, into their society and how it's run um, and, and as you were saying before like the moment I saw Carriage and Overlords pop, pop up on that preview back in the early, 
back back in 2017, I was in love because I just thought, wow, what's these guys all going to be? Because it is so different. But with that, there's so Age of Sigma because Age of Sigma in itself is a weird and wacky, is, is, is you know, like the mortal realms are a weird and wacky place. Um, and KO just sort of fits that whole aesthetic and that goes into their lore as well. Just being this strange steampunky thing that technically wouldn't really fit into, like you know, you couldn't get these guys in old Warhammer Fantasy. You would no. never get these guys into old Warhammer Fantasy without ha- a- 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 having to retcon a whole bunch of stuff. But they fit so much in Age of Sigma, and um, yeah, um, and I just love the intricacies of their society because it really does reflect our own. If you get what I mean, um, you. And it's obviously all three of us are Westerners. We all live in democratic societies, which are technically meritocracies. Um, and that just reflects our own in the way, but but it's done in a different way. And another thing as well, which I'd like to point out, is that when I was reading the law, I did, because in the first book, it didn't really go into much depth in regards to the lower ends of society. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the new law and in the new not novels as well it goes into the fact that yes they may be meritocracies but it's really hard to get up the ladder if you're at the bottom mm-hmm. um so it shows the light and the dark side of it which is great because that's political commentary that's <laughs> no but that thing though carriage and overlords in essence are a very political society i I'm, yeah. I mean, you see that in the books, um, in the in pro- pro- of, 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 of its ruin, especially. There's a ton of politics going on in that society, where, whether it be for banking, or you know, or technologies of that. You know, in the end, it's all politics, um, and that's what I like about it is that it's so up and down. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, but no, yeah. Mm. It's very, it's very detailed. Yeah, you could, you could run like. Like there is enough detail here to have like have an RPG in this in this society almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. You know, you've got all these different guilds and specialities. You've got the guys who clean out the toilets. You've got the guys who run whole skyfleets. Yeah, you you know, um, which is why I'm really looking forward to um, I don't remember the name of the new RPG that's coming out. Do you guys remember? Is it Soulbound or something like that? Um. I'm not sure. Uh, no, anyway. Hmm? I think that's is, a Chad, is, Chad, is, is Chad saying anything? No. Yeah. Well, they have been saying no. stuff, but not not what the name of the RPG is. Um, okay, but um, but yeah, um, but and and we do know that KO are going to be a playable character, I suppose, in the game, and I'm most <clears> certainly <throat> doing that. I'm probably going to do a Thunderer or something like that because I love Thunderers. Um, and because oh, I'm in the army, it, it is it's so round. It is so bad. Yeah, I was right. Yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah, so oh um another another reason as well I like KO is that even though they say they aren't militaristic, everything in their society revolves around the military and the economy. And me as a soldier, I just find a sort of a affinity to that. You know. Mm. Yeah. Yep. They're they're always on that this tightrope of everything revolves around a for gold um yeah i kind of it kind of parallels oil in some ways like that exactly they wouldn't be so powerful without it 
um like their, their society just wouldn't exist without it but then they're constantly in need of it and having to find more yeah yep and now yeah, in this new book yeah. they've also got like some things uh uh some, some there's a passage about uh some of the chemists i think speculating wait so what happened like we're using a lot of this stuff and there, it, there's a lot of it in the mortal realm but what if we ever what if we ever ran out ran and yeah. and then like the the upper people the guild guard and such are like nah don't worry about it just get more just get more yeah that was that's one of the things about uh barrack fring isn't it is that they are a lot less reliant on they're a lot more frugal with how they use it and they use more efficient um yep. more efficient ways of using it i think or something like that there's definitely i think that's uh, where, uh, i thought there was something about barrack fring where they sort of or they use less efficient stuff because they use the more older technology um because yep. it was additional um and they sort of Clash with the other, with the other skyports over it a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. Cool. So um, yeah. So to round off that section, Ko Law is fucking awesome. It's Amazing. Yeah. Yep. It really does describe the fact, and I'm really looking forward to more novels and bits and pieces about Ko because we all know there's going to be more. Um, as the narrative pushes on, especially with the new Soul Wars books as well. Mm-hmm. Like, we've just had The Wrath of the Ever Chosen, and I really enjoyed reading that lore, because even though I'm a competitive player, I'm also just an all-round nerd. I love to read the lore as well. Um, and yeah, yeah and it was great, because I'm so back and forth, and I'm really yeah. hoping that some <clears throat> of that comes out for the KO. I mean, um, KO really got me into, like, Age of Sigma. I really wasn't feeling Age of Sigma. I was probably still in, like, of the fantasy mindset um i didn't like the whole super ultra um high fantasy where i couldn't really relate to any of it i was yeah like i couldn't ground myself into okay get a foothold like okay there's this giant dragon that's the size of a planet and then it dies and then there's this other giant like comet beast magic thing but then ko <laughs> gives you like a really like all right, so this is how this society is. This is how it functions. This is how it kind of deals with fighting against like magic gold warriors and change demons and uh, yeah. naked babies with n- naked ginger babies. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it, it really grounded me like, okay, so I've got this point of reference. Now I can go from this and I can kind of look at Age of Sigma and go, okay, so that's how that kind of would function and stuff. And the cities came in and that helped too. But yeah, there's KO that really started that trend for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, Adam has saved us in the chat again. He's correcting us on the uh, efficiency thing. So Urbaz have got the more efficient ways oh. of refining A for gold, uh, but it creates pollution. Um, ah. Barrack Fring uses older technology that takes mm. longer, but is cleaner and um, creates less pollution, which is uh, even more commentary on uh, modern society. <laughs> and yeah. Like... <laughs> what a great. Except... Thank you, Adam. We suck. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't, um, go ahead. Like, you, you think older technology would make more pollution? Really? Mm. You would think that, wouldn't you? 
like yeah. I don't, like yeah. if you look at the old Victorian era stuff and you look at the current stuff like mm. yeah mm. <clears throat> well, I cool. don't know so that, that's how it works yeah so that's yeah so that's Courage and Overlord's Law um, it's great and we love it um, and we hope that you enjoyed sitting with us talking <laughs> about it now there's a bit of news come up on my feed which I've just Realize so down here in New Zealand, there's a Wii 20 man tournament, which is mainly made up of the most competitive players in the region. Um, mm-hmm. And right now, as we speak, Sean, the man Tubman, or little Sean from the Notorious Podcast, he recently just gone to KO after the book, which I hate. Um, yeah, absolutely. Ha- I, I, him for I, it. Um, I converted him. You're welcome. Yeah, fuck you. <clears throat> um, he, he's actually bought. Um, the army, so oh, sorry, he hasn't. He's invested in um, the same army that was featured on Warhammer Community by Sloan Doherty, uh, that amazingly painted and converted up army. Yeah, he's got that now. And right now, he is on the top table against Zinch to win the event. So we could be seeing the oh, wow. one of the first. Yep. So we could be seeing one of the first <coughs> first places for Carriage and Overlords in an event. With the new book, yeah. Is this a, new book. a two-day tournament? Yep, it's a two-day, five-round tournament um, hosted at the Winterdale ta- Tavern in Upper Hut. Oh, sorry, not Upper Hut, Jesus. Parapara Umu, which is in New Zealand, which is on the Carpety Coast, which is just north of Wellington. Um, it's sort of where a lot of the events are being held right now. It's a great venue. Um, but yeah, um, yeah so, so we're seeing a lot of the top players in New Zealand, um, which happen to be focused around... Or, Wellington, they're all sort sort of converge there for a Wii two thousand point tournament. Um, yeah, so I'll be updating everybody on that because the list is actually quite interesting. It's not really the list that I would take. Um, it's so quite what, what is what is this list? I can't find it. It's been lost in the chat um, because he keeps changing his mind because it's just the person he is. Um, because he he's he's always writing weird and wacky lists. Um, but one but once we find out. I will get it up on the KO page and my stuff like that. I'll get it up on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, and another uh, other point of news from me, where it is quite big for New Zealand, is um, Notorious GT in September. Yeah. Um, it's being held in a hut um, at the RSA. And it's now looking like it's going to be a 90-player oh. event. Ooh. Very good. Which is huge for, for New Zealand. Last year's Notorious GT was 50. Oh. So that it's a huge increase. We've got a lot of guys from Australia coming over, including my man yeah, here, Yeah, I'm going. Yep. I'm going. So we'll get to meet for the first time in person. Flying over in my, car- in my ironclad. Yeah, boy, I'll be there, um, <clears throat> you know, for once in my life because obviously works very bit busy for me right now, what with family and whatnot. I'm on a course which has me working weekends. Ah, uh, um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. But essentially in September, <clears throat> I should be free. Um, I've already put in my leave through work, um, so I'll be able to attend that weekend, and I'll be there with KO. Um, another thing Fantastic. as well is that ever since the KO, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be there. Um, I'm just trying to figure out a list. Um, so, so yeah, we're gonna um, have like, and with that, hmm? oh, we're going to have at least three KO players by the sounds of it. <laughs> um, honestly, I was just about to say, I think we're going to have a lot more because um, in New Zealand, we've seen a massive uptake in KO, like, when I first started playing KO and when I first started playing against them, there was maybe one or two of us really attending the tournament scene. Um, Basically. And that's why I got the badge. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, um, but now, I mean, at this event alone, I believe there's four KO players out of 20. I'm not too sure. I have to have a lot, but, I'm, but I know that there's at least three. There may be four or five. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so we're seeing a massive uptake. And I think that's mainly because a lot of guys bought KO because they looked cool back in the day, but they didn't really want to, you know, pay the amount that we had to pay to on a competitive list. But now oh, yeah. the army is so much cheaper to collect. Um, to actually make a 2,000-point list is actually a lot cheaper yeah. than what it used to be. So you don't need, like, 18 sky riggers like we used to. Now you or only need maybe 12. 12. boxes of yeah. bloody uh, Arcanauts. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly that. Um, so, yeah, so we're seeing a lot of guys who previously had KO or were running KO in, like, Temper style lists and stuff like that. Lee, I'm looking at you. Um, yeah, so a lot of them are aching up KO, which is going to make it very hard because my because my goal for 2020 was to get the KO badge, but um, but with Sean Tubman playing, I'm not going to get that badge. He's just such a good player. He knows what he's doing. He loves the army and he knows how to use it. Um, so yeah, so there you go. Notorious GT in September, everybody. If you're in Australia or anywhere else in the world and you really want to attend a cool event in New Zealand, which is looking like 90 to 100 players, which is massive for us. Like that's that's astronomically huge for New Zealand because we're such a small community. Um, yeah, come on over. We'd love to have you. Um, uh, Todasol is asking in the chat if it's being streamed. Do um, I don't Ooh. know yet. I'll have to get in touch with Tubbs over there. Um, I know there's been talk about it. I'll uh, I can't confirm or deny. Um, I'll look into it. Um, and I'll ask the boys. Um, cause I know that, pro- uh, cause I know that Dan Shorts is going to be there. Um, cause you know, he's, oh yeah, of course he's one of from New Zealand. Zealand. Yes, he is. He lives in Auckland, New Zealand. Um, I'm looking at moving there in the future um, because of work and stuff like that. Um, but yep, yep, yep. So he'll be down there. He'll be doing all that stuff. Um, but there are facilities there to record and to live stream. I know that there are, they've got these big like camera things up the top of the roof and stuff like that, where you can re- record games. And such forth, but yeah, I'll definitely look lo- lo- into it for you, mate, and I'll answer the question w- when I get confirmation. Cool. I'll really Personally, put New Zealand I really on want the map. Rob and the honest ball gamer to cut, come, come down. I really do want him to come down to New Zealand. I think he'd love love over here. So if you're listening, Rob, please come down and join mm-hmm. us for Notoria. We'd love to have Probably you. Probably have to start some kind of um Kickstarter. Uh, fundraiser. Kickstarter fundraiser. Yeah. Go, uh, go yeah, me. yeah. I'll talk to them. <clears throat> yeah, I'll talk to the Shawns about it because they're both really good fr- fr- friends of mine. I started playing Age of Sigma with Tubbs. We're both really good, good, good mates. We started our local game gaming group together back in the old days. It started off with just he and I, but obviously he's 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 exploded in both talent and skill, and I've just stagnated, I suppose. But yeah, Aww. yeah. But, um, just to put a caveat on that as well. So this ninety-player event. When we started playing like proper competitive Age of Sigma after the GHB came out, our largest ever event in 2017, wait, no, I lie, it was 2016, was 16 players. <laughs> and we've wow. come up to 90. So that's, you know, so that at the big uptick, um, uh, a big uptake for us. But yep, sorry, I'll stop spewing on about that and let you guys say what you need to say. Um, I just want to do a quick, uh, uh, well, sort of a shout out or just let people know because you mentioned about uh, someone being on the top table with with Ko, uh, a, yeah. a guy called uh, Kane or Eric Kane. I want to say Eric Kane. 
the Henry Kane. Well, <laughs> he mostly just known as Kane anyway. Um, yep. He was well, actually from Northern Ireland. He won a one day uh, about a month ago with the new book, Mukeo. Um, oh, yeah. But I mean, obviously, that's just a, a one day. Um, but recently, he was at a Teams event. So little a little bit different with with the way obviously team, teams event run but it was a, it was a five game tournament and he did go five and oh with his ko well so it's pretty the, good yeah th- there's gas in the tank yep and with that i forgot to say before because we're actually literally just talking about this before the show started we need to start talking about what we've been up to <laughs> and I totally forgot <laughs> to talk about it. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. We'll do so a, I might as well get into that now. News yeah. update. Um, so I've got, speaking of tournaments, I've got SAGT coming up um, in about three weeks. Um, not going to be 90 players. Look, I think it's going to be about 50. And you got oh, yeah? uh, Doom and Darkness and AOS Coach. They're going to be there. Don't yeah, think it's getting streamed, but. Yeah. Um, uh, so that that'll be at the RSL here in Adelaide, which is nice because it means it's the one tournament I don't have to drive for eight hours to get to, <laughs> yeah. or take or fly. Um, and I'm actually thinking of uh, instead of going with my Barak uh, Urbaz list, I'm gonna take a Zilfin list Ooh. with um, Iron Sky Command. Yep, Iron Sky Command with uh, uh, still 20 Thunders and Lion Clad, but very uh, Alpha Strikey, very brutal first two turns. Um, and I've been testing out a, the Rat Trap recently. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, so I can see why people think it's good, but I don't think it's very good for me because I'm really bad at this game. And I just fly into it every time. So I, I cast the thing in the middle of the enemy. Does its it does its thing? It zaps everyone. Then I in the movement phase push out with the thunderers, move everything up into engagement range, and then the uh, th- ironclad got hit. Uh, rolled a six, did five mortal wounds to it. Next turn, another five mortal wounds. Suddenly the ironclad's not looking so great. No. Um. You, you think I learn? I don't learn. Next game, did the same thing, and the dirigible Ender Master died. <laughs> Two or six. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a learning process. It's a, it's a learning process. It really is. Um, so far, <clears throat> I've only played five games with the new book, because obviously I've just been so bloody busy with this course. Um, I've managed to paint up most of my 2,000-point army. Um, I'm still waiting for my Ironclad to arrive next week, which I'm really looking forward to. I just need a lot of aggro church shape. Um, but yeah, so I've won two games, but I won't count one of them because I because we both got our rules wrong, um, and I ended up thinking I was able to move my engine riggers after flying high, which it turns out I wasn't. Uh, um, yeah. So, yep, so I'm going to disqualify that because it wasn't fair. Um, and I Only if you're open. Eh? Only if you do the Zilfin move. Yeah, exactly that. But I, but I was taking it as um, so. Yeah, great apologies yep. mm. to my mate Andrew, who I was playing with. We um, he hit me up afterwards, and I was re- I felt really bad because I hate cheating. Um, but yeah, and my other game was against OBR, and I beat them. 
was was great. Um, and then my last three games I played last weekend, I ended up playing three games in a row because I hadn't played in a while. And I got absolutely trounced. So um, I, I, I lost all three of those games. Played against Tubbs with, with his daughters and he kicked my ass. Uh, then I played the same guy with his Sinesh and he fucked me up pretty bad. And then I played against his Nighthorn because he's got multiple armies, this guy. Um, and then he beat me with Nighthorn. And so I felt really bad about, about myself. <laughs> yeah, but I know I've been experimenting with different list builds. I've got some more stuff coming on the way. I've got some Arcanauts. We might try to take some Arcanauts um, later on, but we can talk about that in another episode. Lee, what have you been up to? Uh, I'm trying to think. Did I mention the tournament I went to in the last episode? Uh, I wasn't here. No, I don't think I did because we were we were interviewed interviewing uh, Alex. So, um, but yeah, so I yeah I played a one day tournament not long after the book came out. Um, I went two one, which is not not bad. No. Um, and uh, to be fair, the the game I lost was we didn't play a huge amount of rounds, and it was one where the I can't remember what it's called now. Is it escalation? Yeah, escalation. Where you don't even score points in the first round either. So, and the only reason I really lost that was because. I moved from Endromaga to three inches away from an enemy unit and forgot to actually roll my charge. And so they didn't charge and didn't do anything, uh, which is very stupid of me. Um, but that was, yeah, that was a bit of a learning curve. I did make some other mistakes in that game. And not in that game, but in other games that did favour me. Um, <laughs> which I don't think they're going to be listening. But if they are, I apologise. And I will not make those mistakes again in the future. Um just little things, you know, where you well, um, where you get used to things from what on the old book, and then you play with a new book, and you realise you actually couldn't yeah. do that. So I think I moved, in one of the games I moved twenty Arconauts inside my Ironclad, and I didn't have the Ebulin. What you call it? Boinsies, yeah, yeah. It, it's um, a complicated book. Um, yeah. Takes some getting used to. But uh, yeah, so I was playing a list with. The rat trap, and 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 I also had the comment, the comet, the everybody's comet because oh uh, yeah, it was it's just basically that was sort of the most interesting and the best list I come up with, with the models I have available because the list I was playing before and stuff I never built any gun haulers <laughs> um, in the past and I did used to use mostly riggers and stuff um which was basically how you used to how play it ko used to play um so i yeah i had an interest it was quite interesting because you could splash a lot of mortal wound damage with both of those endless spells um i did have some issues with the rat trap similar to you but not i didn't yeah. go into it but a few times i sort of put it somewhere and then thought oh i wish i hadn't put it there <laughs> um you have to get the placement with it quite quite accurate really um and think about really where it's going to go for a couple of turns ahead um and yeah and then other than that really i i played another game just trying to test out using two ironclad and <laughs> uh two ironclads a lord ordinator and a knight venator to teleport the lord alternator with the ships um that was just a test game with a mate uh that was quite fun 
it's probably not competitive way of playing KO, but it was an interesting thing to try out. Though once I really, once I'd sort of figured it out, I thought I kind of that you could do it. I thought I got to try it at the very least. Yeah. Um, no. Other than that, I've been building funders, but I've been trying to magnetize them. So that's kind of hit a little bit of a brick wall because I run out of magnets. I need to order some more. Right. And I've been, yeah, building a gun hauler so I can expand my options a bit for the future. I might have some tournaments in March, maybe. And nice. Maybe. I'm not sure if I can go to them because there's two tournaments. One's a doubles and one's a singles. I'd rather, I mostly want to go to the singles. They both sort of fall around awkward things with, uh, relatives close relatives having birthdays and things so i might not be able to go unfortunately but other than that i am prepping for bobo is my the big thing coming up for me really it's the end of may so it should be a pretty massive tournament i think because last year it was yeah, nearly yes oh yeah i think as well um a tournament's just popped up today um in new zealand uh 2500 point tournament um in carpeting oh which that's big. May, and i'll be yep and i'll be trying to attend that uh it's good g- g- and have a cap obviously because the venue is quite limited in how, how many it can take um but yeah so i'm looking to attend that with a 2.5k list of ko so we'll be interested mm-hmm. to see how that goes yeah question can you fit a grand armada in <laughs> no Probably uh, not. <laughs> um, no. Would no, you yeah, have three battalions, like the squadron, the escort wing, and the command? Yeah, it's, yep. it's a big mega one. Yeah. Yeah, and then the Grand Iowa. So I don't think you'd have the points. I mean, I'll have a look and see if I can, but it's kind of dumb. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, always. But that's the most fun. No, I think you could build a pretty mean escort wing, though. With, a, with an ironclad and uh, free gun haulers and you fit in you can fit in a lot of stuff oh you could fit in two two uh, ironclads Ooh. don't tempt me for yeah. yeah oh you were, well, only one of them would be in the battalion though but I mean yeah but on the other hand two yeah. ironclads yeah or can you... what's gonna stop you can you have two ironclads and forty thunderers? Is the question. <laughs> um, yeah, if you're back now and use the thunderers as battle line, yeah. Oh, but you need four battle line. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, but then you have two archonaut screens. Yeah, just two ten man archonaut units, <laughs> and oh. then get the chemist or something. He's a cheap HQ. Maybe. Maybe. It would be insane. Or you could do something with multiple battalions so you could have, like, all the best artifacts. Um, like, have, like, two battalions and a chemist general with collector. And have, like, yeah. fell in the bottle, um, phosphorite bomblets and all sorts of cool stuff. Mm. Uh, I, oh, if you had two ironclads... One of them can have the last word, and the other one can have the chargey thingy. <laughs> the battering room. Yeah. Because oh, all, all the you by Zombacorp. Yep. All the best engine works are for Ironclad, so 
fit two ironclads. Right. Or three. Can you fit three in a list? Yeah, just. Do it. Do it. Do you have three ironclads? No, I don't even have one yet. Come on. <laughs> not made of money, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know what, team? Um, so, yeah, I suppose that we should close this off. Yeah. Um, we had a bit, a bit of a ramble at the end there, but that's okay. I'll make sure I do that. At, we'll do that at the beginning next time. Yeah. Any apologies. Um, so, yeah, thanks very much for listening, guys. Um, tune in to the next episode, which will be coming out at some stage in the future. I don't know when. I hope I can make it. Just depends on work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thanks very much, guys. Uh, we'll keep, if, if you're entertained, if you guys are not a member of the Carriage and Overlords Facebook page, please make sure that you join up and please make sure that you answer the question correctly. Um, in order to be accepted or just answer the question really just just put something in there yep exactly there. So if you do not answer the question you will not do it <laughs> you will not we'll get probably it. still we'll probably still get, let, let you get in but no yeah. but, but no yeah it's a great community a lot of really friendly happy people um everyone's really quite passionate about ko um, but yeah, so if you're interested, at, and even if you don't play KO, and if, and if you just want uh, to see what we're, we're up to, come along, have a look. Yeah. So um, yeah. So well, once again, thanks very much for listening, guys. We are the Galdrad, and uh, see you next time. Cool. See you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.